Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your host, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome back to episode four of Ditch the Suits podcast. Steve Campbell here with Travis Moss. Uh, We ended off episode three saying that you should be managing your money just like a business. And we thought, let's have an entire conversation just about that. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great conversation. So we want to begin to understand that our money is just like a business. There's a lot of parts involved. So then this question we want to ask is, what makes a business very successful? And how can we apply those same principles to our own personal finances to know what success looks like? So Travis, we have a business. You've been a part of businesses. You've been a part of different things. What makes a company successful? This is a really hard topic. Right. Because the answer is clear goals. Mm -hmm. And I think we normally get this wrong. I, I don't think that, I think we set goals that sound good mm-hmm. um, or goals that even look good, but they leave too much vagueness. Mm-hmm. For instance, businesses do it all the time. We want to increase our market share. Uh, increase it to what? Right. Compared to what? Right. Um, you could increase it 2%. Your competitor increases to 3%. Did you reach your goal? I suppose so. But your competitor still beats you. What was the goal? Like, clean it up, right? Um, I want to retire. So you want to stop working. Yep. What age? 55. Okay. Is there anything else with that? Nope. I just want to stop working at 55. Do you want to go back to work when you're 65? No. Well, you got to clean it up. You, right. I, you have to give good businesses are successful because they, they have incremental finish lines. Yep. They say from this point to this point, in order for us to become more successful, we need to achieve X. Yep. And so they have a timeline, they have a finish line, and X represents whatever the value is that they're trying to do. I want to increase clients by 5% within 12 months. Yep. From there, I can work it backwards. I can trickle that all the way down to the ground floor of the business. The issue is, though, what makes it a clear goal isn't necessarily what's going to help you achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. So you could say the goal is 5% by the end of the year, but there's the book called The Secret. Probably everybody's read it by now. Um, and it's you you have your dream board and you put on the board what you want and you just throw it out into the universe that's supposed to come back to you. Um, that's not actually how successful businesses work. Right. What happens is, is they say, I want to get a successful business says, I want to get 5% by the end of the year. Now, what are all the things I need to do to get 5%? What's my marketing team got to do? Yep. What's my um, sales team got to do? What's my management team got to do? You know, and so on and so on, my operations team, so on and so forth. And then at that level, okay, this is what my operations team has to do as a team. What do the different individual components of the team have to do? Mm-hmm. So you come up with all you can by having a clear goal, you can work backwards and and almost that manifests itself into micro goals for all the different parts of your business, which then can assign goals to the individuals who are at the ground floor actually doing the work to get right. you there. Right. And the reason why it's so important to have a clear goal is because if the goal is not clear, you have no way to know if you're on track to get there. So, so often somebody will come in and say, I need to talk to somebody today. Why do you need to talk to somebody today? Because I'm supposed to retire next week and I have to decide on my pension. How can you possibly make that decision accurately without a lot of luck in such a short amount of time with very undefined goal? What's your goal? To retire in next week. Yeah, but what is is that retirement? What is... (laughs) What are you going to do there? How much money do you need? Where are you going? How long are you going to live? Like all these things 
Are you going to give money to your grandkids someday? All these things matter. Are you married? What's their benefits? What's your other benefits? How much have you saved? How do you invest? Who manages your investments? All these things, what's your tax situation? All these things impact how that will come out. And if it's a vague goal, meaning it's just not, there's just not, I can't quantify it. I can qualify it, but I can't quantify it. If it's vague like that, then it's easy for time to slip by. And it's easy to be, the business said, we want to increase sales by the end of the year. It's easy to get to November and go, oh crap, we didn't increase sales. What are we supposed to do now? Right. Well, it's too late. Yep. It's literally, I, I walk around the office, I always talk about by the time, by the time January is over, I, I feel like the year's over. Mm-hmm. Like, I already planned for 2022, year's over. Because that's literally, I feel like our goals are designed in a way, everything we're going to do this year is already planned out within, last year is a great example. You have to be flexible enough to change on the fly when, when there's material things that change the projected outcome. Right. But you should come into the year knowing what you have to do that year. And if you have a goal in the sand, let's say it's 55 to be financially free, incrementally, what do you have to do by what timelines to give yourself the highest likelihood to be successful? Do you want to casino this thing? Do you want to go pick, you know, whatever slot machine at the casino is your favorite and say, this is my retirement plan. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to know when you go in there, that you've got a 90% chance of making it successful. Right. I mean, you want the highest probability of success as possible when you're talking about your life. That's what clear goals do. That's why businesses who are really successful, you can track it back to clear goals. It's the stuff they write about. They're like, that business said that they were going to do this, this, and this, and they did it. You know, the amazing thing is though, None of those businesses did it overnight. Mm -hmm. They did it over sometimes decades. Amazon didn't become this behemoth overnight. It's been in the making for decades now. Nobody understood them. They're all like, I don't understand what they're doing. You know why? Because they had visionary leadership that looked way down the road. And they said, in order to get there, I got to do all these funny little things along the way. Everybody thinks they're going to be a waste of time. Everybody's going to laugh at us and be like, why are you doing that? You should be doing other things. But if I do those things, look where I can get. If they gave themselves the highest probability to become the, the juggernaut that they really are today. Individuals can do the same thing, but they don't. When we work with clients who are the most financially successful, you know, almost all of them, the commonality is that they started young. Mm-hmm. They didn't wait till they were 50 and say, okay, I'm going to figure out how to retire now. They were thinking about it back in their 20s. Right. And they were saving that. They were doing some of the steps that they, maybe they weren't thinking, hey, I'm going to retire one day, but they were thinking, I need to be putting away because someday I'm not going to want to work anymore. And so they started to do some of the things that they, they that were going to be required of them long-term. But because they started so young, they got this huge head start. When you look at people, and I've seen this, people get jealous a lot of times. Let's say that you retire young. Let's say that you set your flag in the sand and said, this is what financial success is going to be for me when I get to 50. And then you figured out what you need to do to get there from now until then. And you did it. So at 50, you go in and you say, work, I'm done. You hand them, you hand them your pink slip. You say, I'm out. Yep. I will live my best life. You know, people will look at you and judge you. Oh, they're, they must have inherited some money. They're just lucky. Oh, they're, I don't know what they're going to do with their, they, they can't afford to do. They're going to make all kinds of judgments on you. Mm-hmm. And the reason why? Because they didn't do what you did. Right. They're just thinking about retirement at that point. You put everything, because part of the reason is you got rid of the word retirement. You said financially free. Because people retire at 50, don't normally call it retirement. They, they call it leaving their job to go do something else. So you put something in place decades before, you executed on it, you got there, you're past the finish line, now you get to go do something else. You get to make a new finish line, follow that finish line, whatever it might be. It might be to visit you know, 100 different countries, who knows? But the people who are looking at you going, that's crazy, how could you do that? You obviously, you know, somehow somebody must have helped you. They're normally the ones 
who didn't do the planning themselves. It doesn't mean that they can't plan and make it better going forward. Right. But to put it in perspective, would you rather be financially free at 50 or at age 60? Yep. I want to be free as soon as possible. Then if I want to work, I work. If I don't want to work, I don't work. If I want to do something different because it really inspires me, I'm going to do something different. But I don't owe it to anybody to have to show up to something that I don't like anymore. That's the difference. So good businesses do that. Over decades, they, they you know, pun intended, they sow their seeds. And, you know, the garden grows. Good businesses do that. And they go out there and they maintain them every single day. They weed the, the bad stuff out. They put nutrients in the soil. Businesses grow the garden for the long haul. People who do that on their own stuff that make clear goals, they know what and when they want to do something and they work it backwards from then, just like a business, will find success like some of those businesses. The big difference between... I think because all this sounds like it takes a lot of time, right? It's a lot of what I'm saying here is you've got to be invested in it time-wise. Big businesses, they don't do that. Mm -hmm. The CEO doesn't do all the work. Right. They hire people. They get managers. They get people to help them. Yep. If you you know own any business, let's say you own a farm, back to the, the, the gardening example, you hire people to come help with that kind of stuff or you buy technology. Right. So- we're going to talk about how to clean up these examples and how to measure them and everything. But I'm not talking about something that becomes somebody's full-time job. What I'm really saying is um, you have to have clarity so that you can get people or, or services or technology or whatever to help get you there. But you can't program anything or, or, or have anybody be accountable for a goal that you haven't defined yourself. So business, that's what businesses do. They hire different managers. Well, in businesses too, Travis, I mean, we can all think of whether we are the one or we can think of a successful business. If you are in a particular part of the country or you serve a demographic, those things aside, it's what makes you special and it's what attracts people to you uh, so that you have the values in place to be able to track success. And it all has to fit together. You had mentioned earlier, maybe you're in a different certain department in your company, whether you're in marketing or advertising, or you're in customer service, or you're in the sales component or the operations component. All of those pieces have to work together collectively while still yet doing their particular assignment and doing it well to make sure they're on track. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be having general meetings every other week with all of these departments to know where things are going on. But you would take each department in and of itself to track, hey, our piece of this puzzle is to do X, Y, and Z. Are we on track? And if we aren't, we need to be able to communicate to the other departments dependent upon us if an advertisement is not on track to go out or people aren't responding right. to it to the way that we thought, which means that our sales may not be as strong. Same thing in a sales process. If people come in and have an unbelievable experience with the first people they meet, they have a great next step with the person they meet, but the follow-through isn't there and the person doesn't become a customer or a client, it doesn't mean that everything is wrong. You can self-identify them, then we need to work on the way that we close, the way that we follow up to make sure that the things that we said on the front end for delivering exceptional service model, whether you're in a restaurant, you're in pharmaceuticals, you own a business, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to check in progress and success to have definable goals. And it's the same thing with your own personal finances. You know, you have these different components to your life. You have your cash flow, you have your investments, you have your taxes, you have your estate. I think what is hard for people is to go, if I'm being honest, I don't really have a plan. I do have that vague idea. I want to retire someday, but you just helped me understand right. that that's not really a defined destination because I don't know how to get there. What if I was able to define those things and then understand just like in the business that I work at, every one of those pieces I just mentioned in your own personal finance has its own function. You yep. wouldn't just have one meeting to look at all of that together because there's too much. You can't look at your, your cash flow, your investments, your taxes all in one meeting and honestly come out of that meeting with an actionable plan. But you would want to look at each one of those meetings separately from each other, understanding that they actually affect the entire thing and the entire process that we're working on. 
but they all may need a little bit of course correction every once in a while. So the things that, because we've been in businesses that we weren't given a lot of guidance. You know, we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing. You felt like a ship lost at sea. Every day you came in, you'd come home and go, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know the demands that are on me and I know the expectations, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing versus I think the culture that we're trying to build. So we're just talking about personally what we have put into place, which is honestly what we were never given. So when Seed was created and we're talking about how to become successful, we're in the same market as many other competitors, right? But the thing I think that has made us successful is the processes that we've put into place and the collective buy-in from all of our team to know what the expectation is, what the goals are, and then to be able to track those goals along the way so that the people that are being asked to fulfill those assignments know what's expected of them. If they're not meeting a certain deadline, then that's okay. How do we need to adjust it? Or do we need to spend more money on something? Or do we need to reassign this part of your life? And I think that's what you just touched on right at the end, which is somebody that may say, okay, whether you own a business or you're just thinking about you and your spouse or you as an individual and your own personal finances, I don't really have a plan. It can be extremely daunting going from not having a plan to going, okay, how do I take everything I'm about to hear and put it into place? I think what defining goals allows you to also to be able to do is understand maybe where there's uh, there's gaps in where you need to fulfill or need to empower somebody else to come along right. in the process. So I think the things that we think about that make us successful as a business, whether you're in the thriving culture you love to be a part of, or you said, you know, what would make my job a lot better if we did X, Y, and Z, what would happen if you're able to do that? But then also in your own personal finances, what would it look like? 2020 was a mess. Okay. We were all being honest. 2020 happened. Maybe we thought we were in control of our life and we realized money can come, money can go, the stock market, the economy, all of this stuff can happen. And we realized, man, I got to start 2021 off better. What does, what does better mean? Just not revisiting 2020. What are the pieces that you need to put in place to get to whatever better actually represents to know if you're on track? And it's removing that vagueness that I think we can also subtly allow into our life. Yeah. And the the final point I would make on this is, and you hit it, um, you kind of crossed this road, but if you as an individual are looking at your personal finances and your personal goals, would you, if you had an employee that was there just to help you achieve your personal goals? Mm-hmm. Pretend you're the business owner and you're talking to your number one manager. Um, and their their job is to make your financial life and, and, and your, fin- your, your personal goals that revolve around, that include money, successful for you. Could you clearly articulate to them today exactly what they need to do to make you successful? Hmm. So that in a way that you could look at them or they could look at themselves, even if you weren't there to watch, they could look at from week to week or month to month and know that they were on track to make you successful. And if the answer is no, we got some work to do. If the answer is yes, you're in the very small minority. You're doing a really good job. Most right. of the time it's in the no. And so anybody who's ever had a boss like that or has ever had an employee review, what do you want to know? You want to know how do I become successful? So if you were to explain to somebody how to make you successful financially, how to get you to financial freedom, can you explain it clear enough that they could week to week or month to month be able to status check themselves and know that they're moving you into the right direction? Well, and to to that point, if you just had that example, let's take January 2020, you set off and said, we want to have our most successful banner year as a business. And then things beyond your control happen. COVID hit. You don't just give up, right? Just shut the whole thing down. And that, that's business. I mean, there's things yeah. beyond our control. You find out, you navigate difficult conversations and you figure out how to get it done. And a lot of times what happens is even in our own personal lives, when things hit us that we didn't expect, we can either cave or we become really moldable and actually become far better off than we ever could have been through had we not have gone through that. And I'm just speaking from my own personal reflection. Some of the most difficult things I've gone through when I have honestly looked in the mirror and said, you know what? The only person that can get us out of this or figure this out is me. Uh, when I've been able to do that, I've become stronger. Uh, I've become better. 
Uh, I've, I've become more defined at what I want to do. And I think that's what last year showed all of us, whether you own a business or you're just thinking about your own personal life, you can't just give up. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be course corrections along the way. Because even if you did employ, if you have people that work under you, if you gave them an assignment and they went out and they tried their hardest and they just found out that given the parameters of what you've asked them to do, there was actually a better way of doing something, or maybe they came across something that you didn't expect and they report back to you. I mean, you would be impressed that they would report back, hey, you set me out to do this thing and I'm trying to do it, but I found these things along the way. What would you like me to do? Or do you want me to go in a different direction? That allows you to make adjustments. So just because I think what happens, whether it's our own personal finances or our own personal health, weight loss, whatever it is, just because we run into a roadblock or something that we didn't expect doesn't mean we're wrong or, or we got it wrong. It just means right. that we have to step back and say, you know what? We didn't expect this. Uh, maybe something happened in my money that I wasn't expecting. A big bill came up or something happened with a family member that we had to take care of their medical, whatever it is, life happens. It doesn't mean that it's bad. And I think we need to remove that from also what we're talking about too. Because as you said at the beginning, this is a tough conversation. How do we start to make momentum onto this road of financial freedom? How do we make momentum with our own personal wealth, looking at successful businesses and having a plan in place? So I think in this next segment, it's going to be good for us to talk about then how do we actually make definable goals and how do we know if we're on track? So as you're listening, maybe you've thought, you know, I've been frustrated uh, by vagueness. I've been frustrated when I don't know if I'm on track. And we would say that you can't measure your progress against something that is undefined. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about what are some things I can start implementing or think about, you know, to put into my life, Travis, what's some things that people can be thinking about? Start with setting just a really defined goal. Right. Because that, and so you have to think about what you really want because um, you have to identify that finish line, uh, but you have to also identify what it's going to require for you to win. And, and this isn't a measuring stick like you against other people type of thing. This is just think about winning as, as far as you feeling successful. Right. So if you wanted to be financially free, our term for retirement um, or any point in life where you don't want to rely on work, what does that actually mean, though? If you just say, I want to be financially free, you're not going to get there because you won't know when you're there, frankly. Right. Um, you could mistime it. And if you mistime it too early, you're going to be the opposite of financially free for, for longer. And if you mistime it too late, possibly you've missed the greatest opportunities of your life. So when you say, I want to be financially free, for me, that might mean at age 55, I have enough savings to, you know, accounting for inflation, sustainably replace my take-home income and have an additional $20,000 a year for my travel budget because I've got places I want to go and things I want to do. So that could be a really clear definition of what it means for you to get across the finish line. Right. At least at, for that part of your life. That doesn't define your whole life. That just mm -hmm. defines maybe the financial component and, and maybe your free time component of life, which you're, which you're really driving towards. But it's clear. I know I want to do this by the time I'm 55. So I set yep. a flag in the sand. I know when I'm 55, this is how it should look. Right. So I can work back. I can qu quantify that. I can, if I can quantify it, I can work backwards from there. Mm -hmm. Because I can go in and I can figure out how much money you need to replace your take home and 20,000. I can figure out based on your assets, what the tax impact is. Um, so you have to gross that up for the income taxes. So I can figure that out for you. So I can figure out what that pile of money needs to be. Right. The things that you could do to maybe not have to have such a large pile of money by tax management and that kind of stuff. But then I can work it backwards and I can say, based on your current savings and based on how much you save and based on the way that you invest, this is where you're headed and here's the risk. But I can also start to tweak those and adjust those. Do you, are you able to save more? Maybe you can get out sooner. Maybe you can be more conservative, which increases your certainty of performance, you know, those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you got to save a lot more. Or maybe you've been hiding money under the mattress and you can't. You got to get it invested because you need to make more than 4% a year to get there. Um, but I can break that down and I can actually make it happen. Right. So just like with a business, if I give you a goal and I say, Steve, your goal is to and, and 
improve client satisfaction. I can't, you can't break that down because right. it's, it's like, what does it mean? Right. Is it, you know, do I give people a happy test on a scale of one to 10? And if people go from a five to a six, I don't know. I, I, what's that actually mean though? Right. So I, people can be really clear with their goals. Uh, you can work backwards from there. And that is where, if you want to say the magic happens with execution, that successful businesses got successful because they worked backwards from where they currently are. They did all the little things that had to be added up to get the big result. They didn't just get the big result. So if you want to be financially successful and financially free and you've defined it by X, there's a lot of little things that you have to do along the way to get there. You're not just going to close your eyes and wake up one day and, and you're there. I'm an avid gardener, right? I love gardening. I don't know if I'm very good at it, but I love doing it. I just like to grow things. And if I go out there and plant a bunch of seeds in April and I come back in, in August looking for, you know, to pick my pumpkins and my tomatoes and stuff, the garden is going to be a disaster. Probably won't have anything in there. Everything will be like either fried because or or moldy and rotten or it'll look like a like you know just a field because the weeds will grow up taller than the plants themselves or the bugs will get to it or whatever it is there's so many things i have to do all spring and all summer and actually right into the fall and even beyond that to prepare the soil for the next year to make sure that i'm i'm getting value for the time i'm putting into this gardening right, right. It's, it's the most simple example i want good tomatoes Okay, well, you don't just plant the tomato plant and walk away and come back. You can't even just plant the tomato plant and put a sprinkler on it and come back. They're too finicky. Things happen. Right. There's bugs. There's blight. There's all kinds of stuff going on. You really, you've got to trim it and prune it. Otherwise, you get this out of control thing. Well, your personal goals are the same way. You can't, from a financial standpoint or even from a business standpoint, we can't just stick the flag in the sand and say, we're going to get there because I said so. You have to be able to work backwards to say, okay, we're going to get there. How do I get there? And if it's not defined as far as where there is, it doesn't matter what you do. You're probably not going to get there. It'd be like looking at a map and you're in New York and you put a dot in Los Angeles and you say, we're going to get there. And then you throw the map out the window and you start driving. Let's go. Like, or you just say, look, I'm in, I'm in New York and I'm going to drive cross country. Okay, you'll get across country eventually if you're lucky. <laughs> but who knows where the heck you're, you could also end up in Canada? You know, who knows where you're going to end up? You can, it, so we, when you look at it, that when you when you make a parody out of it, mm -hmm. it really starts to make sense. You really need you have to map these things out. But just like a map, you I'm going to start here, I'm going to end there, I'm going to take this left turn, that right turn, stop for lunch over there. You know, and you plan it all out. What what happens if I hit construction? For some reason, with our goal setting with businesses and our personal finances, we're just not good at that. Well, you just made it such a simplistic thing looking at a map. But if we've been building upon leading up to this conversation, this might be such an overwhelming task. If all you did was start here on this episode, trying to write down your goals may be difficult. So as we've been laying the groundwork, we've said, first of all, let's understand what wealth is, right? It's our values. What do we value? Start off by writing down what your values are. What do you stand for? What do you believe in? What's important to you? Once you have that list established, you can look for commonalities in that list. I value my kids. I value experiences. I value travel. Good. We at least have that. Now you can start to look at the money component. Money is a tool. What do you currently have? What money do you have? Honestly, write it down. Because if you have your values and now you have your money, now it becomes easier to look at the goals or where those gaps mm -hmm. are. You can write your current age down, whether you're 45, 55, 65, and say, like those things have definable goals. By this age, I would like to be able to do this thing that supports my overall values. That way, when you're talking with somebody, they can help actually lay out that map in a strategic way. And one of our colleagues, Andrea, love her to death. She speaks in very real ways. When she talks to people about this retirement planning concept, yeah. we have all put into our GPS a destination. Sometimes your GPS will say you can go option A, B, or C. Sometimes the trip or the destination and time can vary depending on the mileage and the type of scenery you're going to enjoy. 
what she always paints the picture for people to understand is your trip and destination is very different from somebody else, your neighbor, your coworker, somebody, your best friend. It doesn't matter. You have different lives, different upbringings, your destination. And I love the way she says it. Maybe from where we live in upstate New York, you want to take a trip up to the lake. Maybe there's three ways to get there, right? Maybe there's one that's just straight highway. It's the quickest way to get there. Maybe there's one that's more scenic, or maybe there's a third way that you can go. What you can then do is begin to step back and say, okay, if I understand how long it's going to take me to get somewhere, then I can exp- I can appreciate the experience because I know what to expect. And I think it's such a simple concept that we're saying, but we all struggle with it. We don't know what we're working for. That, and then we just find ourselves working to work and we can be miserable in our job. We can be miserable in our family. We can just feel like nothing is working. And that's because we don't have a plan. If you're honestly stepping back, it is going to be very difficult to find somebody that actually has a fine-tuned, detailed plan that knows where they're heading, what success looks like along the way, where to make course corrections, where to show grace to themselves versus somebody that's never done that. The world seems overwhelming to them. And, you know, when you talk about these concepts, there are very few things that we can actually control. This is one of those things. No one can tell you where to go. No one can tell you how to get there. What you can do, though, is say, here's what I wish my life looked like. Be honest with yourself. In whatever facet of your life you're talking about, work or your finances, what would a perfect situation look like? And then step back and say, well, is there anything that I can actually control in my scenario that can help improve that experience? And if you can't, then when you're talking to somebody, you know, like in this conversation, mapping out those goals is a multi-step process but it can be one of the most fulfilling and gratifying things to have somebody realize the things that they are wishing for are actually not that far off, but with a little tweaking and goal defining, you can actually get there. You, you brought up business owners uh, a little bit ago. Um, When we work with business owners, it's a thing called expected reality. It's just a concept that we talk about. Because I think business owners are optimists by nature because they have mm-hmm. to be. Think about you're, you're, you're pouring your your heart and your soul and your life savings a lot of times into something for the future. So you have to be an optimist. Even if right. you're even if you ha- think some things are wrong in the world, you're still thinking there's going to be a better world tomorrow. Otherwise, you wouldn't be building a business. Right. So you're out there, you're an optimist, you're building a business, and then you have this expected reality. And so often um we tie that optimism into that goal setting or into our assessment of where we are along the path of success towards that goal. Uh, There's a thing that another term that we use called the wealth gap. So uh, the wealth gap is your business owner, here's your assets, your, your financial freedom goal is X. And most business owners aren't trying to retire early, I would say, most of them need something to do. So uh, for them, maybe they want to change businesses or do, go do something else, but right. very few of them would say, yeah, I'm ready to retire at 55 and go. It's back to that whole definition of financial freedom. Maybe they want to be financially free, but um, most of them tend to look beyond that because of the energy that they're getting. If their business is successful, the energy they're probably getting from the business. But the wealth gap is the reality between what you need to be financially free, what you have, including what your business might be worth, um, and then you subtract the two, essentially. So let's say that maybe you're worth $4 million and you have to be worth eight to be financially free. You have a wealth gap of $4 million, So how do you close the gap? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to set the goal first. Right. If you don't set the goal, you can't find the gap. I can figure out what you have now. I can't figure out what you're going to need to have what you want. So you have to establish what you want, at least at some point, at least a minimum, right? Mm-hmm. Or a maximum. You could say, hey, anywhere in this range, I'd be happy. Okay, at least we have a line someplace in the sand, even if it's a little bit vague. But you've got to, because you got to come up with that wealth gap. And what happens most of the time is that because we're optimists, and pessimists maybe go the opposite way, just as extreme. We end up tying things into our our expectations that it's more based on. I know, and we do this a lot of times with investments. People who manage their own money, 
I know, I know that this is going to work out, or I know if I just do this, we're going to get over that hump, or I know if I just work hard enough, good things will happen. Or I know if I just help enough people, you know, good things will come to me and, and the world will be good. Um, good things can come to you, but they may not get you where you want to be unless you know how to use them and you won't know how to use them. If you don't know that, if, if you don't establish an agenda, essentially is what we're talking about. Um, and so we, when you're thinking about it very, very often, I work with people, I don't need a financial planner. I don't need anybody to talk to me. I don't need a wealth manager. Well, actually they do because the number one thing a wealth manager would do for them, not the investment management, uh, not even the financial projections or anything like that, but would be to help them understand in context the actual cost of what they want to do versus the reality of what they actually have to work with. Right. And if it's the other way around where they have more than they need, the cost then is, let's say, years of their life. So if you've got to the point where you would be financially free by your own standard, if you're still working, you have to work because you want to work. If you're going to work and you're checking off years of your life because you're stressed out and you're already there, you're crazy. Because right. at the end of the day, you can't get the years back. Right. There's no going back and doing the things that you love to do outside of work after you have the heart attack and are gone one day. So you can't go backwards. So you got to you got to know if you've already crossed the line. Um, because then that gives you permission. And you, I talk all the time to people about getting permission, giving yourself permission. If you've won the race, if you've already achieved your standard of success, you should know that because that, that gives you permission to stop in the rat race, to, to move on to something better. I was talking to somebody the other day who has, has, been working with them for years, great, great people. And I said to them, what do you want to do when you're done working? They go, I don't know. I said, well, then you can't stop working because you don't know what you want to do. You don't know where you're going. Right. You're going to stop working and you're going to, you're going to wake up. It's going to be nice for a week. And then after that, you're going to get antsy. You're going to go do something because you got all this energy. Find out what you, you got to set that goal, set that clear, set the end zone. If I get to the end, this is this is what it means to get to the end zone so that you can work backwards from there. Well, and, and we've talked about before, right? One of the concepts you brought up in one of the episodes was savers versus spenders. You know, if you're an individual and you have these goals, it's you. It, it's, it's all on you, right? You know what you're doing. But when you're in a household, if you have a significant other, you're married, whatever it may be, when you have a spender and a saver, it's also extremely powerful to empower people that they may say, we want to buy a second home. Well, that's a great idea. But how do you actually know when you can do it? There's a di difference between I want to buy a second home and let's go back to that example that you just shared a few minutes ago. I want to have at this age so much money to be able to do what I want to do. And we know a house costs X. Well, if you can still hit the first goal and then you have enough money to buy the house, that helps bring the two of you to the same place where you can say, you have the money. I think a lot of times it's the fear of making a mistake. So yeah, a lot of absolutely. people, a lot of people are afraid they have the big goal, but they don't know when it's time. And it's right. very hard for them to actually do it then because they're wondering, well, what if something goes wrong? What you're talking about is when you have the ability to actually project out and plan for these things, it is amazing to see two people that look at money very differently. One's a saver, one's a spender. The goal is the umbrella between the two of them. They know the thing that they're working towards. It's amazing when you can actually show them, we can help you both achieve what you're trying to do. The saver, yep. you can know that you know that you know the plan is intact and spend this money. And spender, go buy it, baby. I mean, it's something where the two of them can walk away and say, oh my gosh, we actually did what we didn't even know we were working towards. That's a very big difference from just saying the thing, I want to do X, and then actually knowing that you can do it. And it's amazing thing yeah. to be able to walk people through. And when people have that moment, because we've had that moment with a lot of people, mm -hmm. normally there's, it's like a watershed moment. All of a sudden there's like, I've had people cry. Right. Where they realized 
that they could do these things that they they never like they 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 they've they didn't think that they were at that level to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, it's it's freeing. It, it, it like it unlocks a part of their soul in a way where they're they find a piece of happiness that they thought only special people get. And you see them just, and then they connect the dots and, and it's incredibly uplifting and empowering. So when you, when you can create clear goals, where I'm going and what it means to be successful when I get there, you can then give yourself permission to enjoy it. And you can enjoy it better along the way. How many people, there's a lot of people that oversave and sometimes it's just because they're valued and that's okay. Sometimes people have values where they just don't want to spend a lot. They're just, that's not them. But sometimes people go without because they're afraid they're going to have without in the future, but they go without so much that they, they miss, they don't get to do a lot of the things that they otherwise would have loved to do. Even if it's something as simple as going on a fishing trip, which don't cost a lot of money, but maybe somebody won't splurge on them because they're afraid they, they need to save more. What if you get to enjoy life more along the way? I had, I had a client long, long time ago that had been working with somebody that came in and, and they were feeling bad about retirement. And, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money to put gas in. I had $20 a week left over to meet my budget so I can save enough to retire. And I said to them, I'm like, why don't you just change the retirement date? Why, or why don't you just work part-time for a year or two extra? Because they didn't, they didn't have a definition of what retirement meant. They had set a date specific to their social security statement for retirement. That was right. about the science. And that's what science that most people put into retirement. Right. It's either when they max out their pension or their social, some date coinciding with an age on their social security statement, whether it's age 62 or the full retirement age, they somehow think that that is something of significance as far as retirement planning goes, which it just simply isn't. It's a nuance, but it's not a significant item. But they somehow use those dates as a mechanism to help them decide when, when to retire, which is a completely arbitrary date. I mean, it just, it doesn't, it's anything that would be the same for everybody is arbitrary. Because right. there's nobody who's the same as somebody else or no situation that's the same as somebody else. There's always going to be nuances that are different. Yep. Well, in, you know, we have so much information out there in the world. I take personal, personal health and fitness, for example. I think we all want to feel our best when it comes to our physical bodies, whether it's our weight, whether it's the way we look, the way we feel. Our confidence a lot of times can come from the perception of how we look and taking care of ourselves. There are countless stories out there of people that have lost hundreds of pounds and you can sit there as a spectator and go, that's incredible. Even cry during their journey, get to the end and they can tell you exactly how they did it. But unless you put in the work, you're never going to have those same feelings. But at the same time, if you ever had lost weight at some season of your life, whether you're currently going through it or have it in the past, you feel incredible when you have people that recognize the hard work and the discipline you've built into your life. And they'll say, you look great. Have you lost weight? I mean, it does something to your psyche, the serotonin and all of that. And I would say that, you know me, I love encouraging people. I'm the hype man. I love getting them excited. I think if we are all being honest, sometimes we can feel bad for ourselves. There is a time to feel bad for ourselves. And then there's a time to do something about it. None of us ever want to play a victim to our own reality, where if we're being honest, if we really looked at the things that were in our control we could actually fix or we can change, but it takes hard work and it takes partners and it takes accountability. What we are trying to do is I think paint the picture of, you have to be able to set a defined goal. We have to know what in the world we're working towards, whether you're a business, whether you're an individual, think about other aspects of your life. You need to be able to know what you value so you can enjoy the process along the way. You can know where to make tweaks. You can know, I can't change this anymore. Certain things you just can't change. You gotta let them go. But those things you can change, maybe you can't change everything in one foul swoop, but you can create that checklist and start to check them off over time. Because again, just in our personal health, 
If you're sitting here today and you feel terrible about yourself, you're not just going to all of a sudden go home and throw all your food out of the kitchen and go shop and buy greens and kale and all this stuff and go to the gym five times. It's just, you, you can't do that. It's the same thing with your money and personal finance. You, you can't go from where you're not to where you don't even know where to go because you're going to set yourself up to fail. So I think you're doing a really nice job of helping people probably just reinforce maybe what they already know. They know and they wish things were different. They've seen maybe other people be successful, that measuring stick where we don't want you to use, but you can also use it as a competitive thing to say, you know what, if that person did it, I can do it too. Yeah. There, there is a time for us to take ownership of our own situation. And if you're tired of being worried, if you're tired of being anxious, if you're tired in your workplace as a business owner, if you're worn out in your finances, if you feel like you're just not connecting you know, with yourself, with your spouse, conversations aren't uplifting, think about what it would look like on the flip side if all of that clicked. If yeah. every time you went into work, you loved what you did because you knew what you were supposed to be doing. And you could say, you know what? I got this done yesterday and this done yesterday. And today I'm going to work on this. When you have purpose to what you're doing, all of a sudden the process makes sense. And when people's personal finances, we have seen it, Travis, you and I sitting with people that have gone from having no plan with complete vagueness to actually having a plan in place to reach those goals. Like you said, it does something to you when it's not somebody else's story anymore, when it's your story, when yeah. you, when you're a champion, you know, and this isn't like a self-help, you know, we want to actually give you real things to do. So you have to be able to set these goals. You have to know if you're on track, not to beat yourself up in condemnation, but to know where do I need to make tweaks along the way? And so if these are things that can inspire you and to encourage you, we just want to tell you, we have seen people from all walks of life be in better financial situations and achieve the things they wanted to do. It takes hard work. It takes discipline and it has to take clear focus to get to where you do. And you also have to just be able to sometimes get to a point where you say enough is enough. Yeah. And I think that there, there's a, there's a trick to this too. Right. Um, so this will come from our, our, our business vocabulary, leading and lagging mm -hmm. indicators or right. measurements. So I think you do have to get fed up and you have to say, Hey, I'm going to make a change. Because right. if, if you don't, you're status quo. Mm -hmm. So you got to say, I want to make it. So the first thing is to be motivated. Do you want to have better? Right. And I don't mean like some people are like, well, I'm not greedy. I don't need better. Do you want to make the most out of what you have? Right. So I think most people will say yes. Yep. Most of us are tracking what we call lagging indicators. That's what mm -hmm. we're measuring. Right. So you're literally measuring things that you cannot change until after you, you find them out and it's too late to change them. Right. So I want to retire. So you get to retirement and you find out you don't have enough money. Right. You're tracking getting to 55 so you can retire, but you never set a you, you never actually set a thing at the, the finish line to know that you were actually there when you got there. And then you get there and now you got to check and you're like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm not there, I guess. Um, you can't change it. You already used up all those years. So you can't go back and start saving money and invest differently. It's too late. So right. you were basically you were tracking your goal, which was to retire poorly designed goal because it wasn't defined but you were tracking your goal and calling that an indicator, basically using your age as an indicator of your success, you know, whether or not you were being successful with your goal. Right. You didn't line up your investments or anything like that. So think about it like this. If I took that and I, and I changed and I said, what if we looked for leading indicators? Those are the things that are going to make you able to retire at age 55. The first thing we'd have to do is say, but what does, financial freedom or retirement at age 55 look like? We would have to say, okay, well, that means that I want to replace my take-home income, account for inflation, and have an extra $20,000 a year to spend. Okay. So what do I need to do that? Well, I've got some questions. First of all, what is your take-home income? And how do you project that with inflation? Most people I've worked with actually literally don't know their take-home income. Mm -hmm. So they want to replace something. They don't even know what it is. Tough to or do. they've read, well, I've read that you only need 80% of it. Yeah, if you're going to cut 20% of your expenses, 
Right. Most people I know when they retire or they hit that point of financial freedom, they start traveling, they start going places, they start spoiling grandkids. They don't spend that much less. Right. So it's not this conventional wisdom. The financial industry like just sets you up to jump off a cliff, basically. Mm-hmm. It is not, well, I guess I'll have 80% less expenses when I retire because I read it in an insurance book. No. You're going to have the expenses you have that you're used to because that's what how you live. That's your budget. So unless you want to make changes, that's how it's going to be. So think about it. What is your take home? What? How does inflation, if you compounded that at 2.5% year over year, and some things inflate more than others. So you got to go in there. You got to nuance that. But just pretend it's only 2.5% per year for everything. What's that look like when you're 80? Are you going to be cutting back when you're 80? Maybe a big part of your budget was travel. Maybe when you're 80, you can't travel as much. Or I've got clients who are in their mid-80s that go on cruises every year. Good for them, right? What is what is the tax impact? Let's say that you wanted to replace $10,000 a month after taxes in retirement. The tax impact is going to be different from one person to another. Do you have a state right. pension that's not taxable? Right. Is it all cash that you're using or after-tax investments? Is it all coming from retirement accounts? Do you have Roths? Do you have other things going on where you get tax deductions? Are you doing charitable giving? That's going to change the the, the math or the calculus literally for everybody. Mm-hmm. How am I going to invest? I put So I got investments. I got a big pile of money. It says I should have enough money to get there. But I get people all the time that come in and say, well, now that I'm uh, 65 years old, I think I'm supposed to be safer with my investments. Why? You've been investing for 45 years. Why should you be safer now? You're still going to live another 30. I don't understand. You should be invested according to your needs and your tolerance, Mm -hmm. not based on your age. I I have no idea how age even comes into this calculation. It makes no sense to me, other than the fact that it's an easy thing to scare people into Hey, you should talk to me because you're getting older. Right. Right. <clears throat> it's, but it's, it, that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you need to save? So if you're investing like why, the other part of that is how much you put in the investment account. Right. But you got to have a plan for that. Um, how long do you have to have the income for? Are there health issues? Is there longevity? Like what's, what's the plan? How long are you going to do that $20,000 year travel? Those are the things I think about. So that they they make up those are the just trigger questions that would be inspired by that that clear statement that I used the fifty five and replace my income and uh, twenty thousand for travel those are questions that pop right up right away and there's tons 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 more and the reason why is they shape what it actually means to get there which tells us what we actually have to do so just like a business if if you want to increase New clients, you have to think about all the things that go into increasing the new clients. Maybe you have to do more advertising. Maybe you have to change the message. Maybe you have to spend more money. Maybe you have to hire a new new marketer, right? There's all these things, one plus one plus one plus one plus one. You know, you have to put it all together to get the results that you want. You don't just go out and wish it and hope it happens. So if I were to look at somebody who came in um, with a goal of reaching that in that that financial freedom at 55, I'd say, geez, you know, you really need, if we wanted to break this down into pieces, we might be in at least five pieces. You need some financial projections done. Got to understand what you're currently doing and where you're headed. And if right. you're going to get there doing what you're currently doing, so we understand what to start changing or updating. Right. You got to understand your tax situation, yep. not just today, but in the future. And I'm not talking about your tax return or whether or not you don't have to pay taxes. I'm talking about the big picture, the lifetime of income taxes that you're going to pay, possibly estate and inheritance taxes. How does that impact you? And how does it impact your kids? And what are the things that you're going to want to do that you're not thinking about today down the road to make sure that you get the most out of your money? Because when most people look at their money, they do not say, geez, I got a $2 million 401k account, but 600000 of that is earmarked for the government. Right. They don't they don't think I I yeah, I got two million, but it's really only 1.4 million. That's mine. They right. go, I got two million dollars, just my money. Well, no, it's actually not. The government's gonna take a piece of it. That's how that works. Right. So how does that how do how do we, if if the government was gonna take six hundred, how do we reduce it to four hundred so that you can save less and get to financial freedom sooner? Um Good question. I, there's an investment component. We're going to break down the investment component, the survivorship appointment. What happens if spouse A passes away first or spouse B passes away first and any of these other what-if scenarios? Each one of those 
is an action item mm-hmm. on the way to achieving your goal. That takes time. And then in each one of them, you break that down even further. So a financial projection might have seven or eight action items that you have to do to get it correct or to get it at least initially set up. So you have to work backwards from that. If you say F55, I want to have, I want to reach this goal and you start working at it at at 54 and eight months, you're, you're not going to have conclusive evidence that you're going to be successful at 55. You might make a decision that, that will require you to go back to work or cut your budget. Right. Because you didn't have enough time to go through the due diligence process that you need to go through. So when we talk about tracking success and what you can learn from a business, your money is a business. Mm-hmm. There's taxes involved. There's other people helping you involved. There's attorneys, there's accountants, there's financial and investment people, banks, everybody else is involved, just like a business. Yep. Whether you want them to be or not, at some point, they're going to be there. Um. There's complications, things that, you know, they change regulations, they change the rules. There's stuff that's happening all the time with your money business, if you think about your money as a big business. And this, the most successful businesses have clear, defined goals, and they break it down backwards and bite-sized pieces. This is what you need to be, do to be successful right down to the actual individual employee. You go into work, your job's to go get five new clients. What do you need to get five new clients? It might be, you have to talk to, back in the day, I used to do sales. I know because I talk a lot, it's hard for people to believe that, but I used to do, I used to do mortgage. Before I did personal finance, I was doing mortgage refinances. You had to come in every morning and you had to make 20 phone calls, or you had to take an application, a mortgage application. And you weren't allowed to do anything. You couldn't check your email. You weren't allowed to get a cup of coffee. You had to do that because they knew that you had to get two applications a day to be successful long-term there. So the first thing you did, you came in, you did your quick hits, 20, 20 phone calls or an application. And then at night before you left, if you hadn't gotten your applications of the day, you had to do up to 200 phone calls at night before you were allowed to leave or a, a second application. Um, because if you didn't hit those numbers, you wouldn't hit your monthly numbers. If you didn't hit your monthly numbers, you wouldn't validate your contract. If you didn't validate your contract, they would let you go. But more importantly, if you didn't hit your numbers, the manager didn't hit their numbers, their manager didn't hit their numbers, and their boss let them go. <laughs> so they were going to make sure you hit your numbers. They had it right down to a T on exactly what to say on the phone calls to give you the highest percentage you know, likelihood of success, all the way down to how to close the 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 mortgage application process. But the point was they were tracking those things religiously. Mm-hmm. They weren't tracking what your yearly number was. They could care less about your yearly number. All they cared about was your weekly and monthly numbers. Um, now, I don't like sales in general, but I think it's a great example because I think so many people can relate to that. Gosh, partner, I'm just listening. What's that song? Glory days, you know, yeah. the glory <laughs> days of making cold calls. Thank God we're not there anymore. But to a lot of people, it's that I think it's the specificity of what they're asking you to do. Maybe the means to it is not enjoyable, yeah. but what they're shooting for. And, and to, to help everybody listening, you know, the majority of people that we meet with, there are some people that have a really strong handle of what their finances are, but a lot of people really have no idea. Uh, just, it's not their wheelhouse. They, they're, they're just not good at it. They don't like doing it. You know, you'll sit down that same idea that you asked, what are you making an income? One spouse will look at the other and honey, what, what do I make? And it, it, they just don't know the number, right. Or they'll open a statement. There's a okay. lot of people that they're, you know, how they did over the last year is opening up their investment statement and looking at it and going, huh, look at that. I made some money. I mean, that's literally what their plan is, is if, but what happens if you have major things that derail those things or right. are beyond your control? Does that derail the entire plan? What would happen if you had these definable goals that outside things, yes, they can affect it, but don't derail the plan, but get you in a place where you know how to recover or what you need to do. But there are a lot of people that struggle with personal finance. So meeting with a professional is daunting to them because they've never even looked at these things. They don't even know what success looks like. So if you take that same idea of reverse mortgages and without the calls and all the stuff you just talked about, that specificity that says, what do we need to do to be successful every single time to keep you on track? 
that has a positive outcome that can come to it because you know where you're heading, which leads to healthier conversations, healthier work-life balance, healthier family life, where worry is not a part of it anymore. There are so much more intrinsic things just beyond dollars and cents that go into putting all the pieces together. So as we bring this episode to a cause, I think Travis, close, you brought some really great things to life. We need to be able to take some cues from businesses that are successful to take the definable goals, to know what are leading indicators so we can know if we're on track and we can know where to make course adjustments. That way we know where we're heading, what to expect and what we need to do along the way. So thanks as always for stopping by. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.